The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. We're going to be uh, in the Old Testament in Daniel chapter 7, and then we're also going to be in the New Testament uh, in Mark, uh, throughout the book of Mark. So Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Well, uh, good morning. My name's Eric. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at the church, and uh, today we're starting a new series entitled, Who Do You Say I Am? Uh, and over this series, it's going to lead us through Good Friday uh, and into uh, Easter Sunday, where we're going to be looking at the claims of Jesus in the book of John. Well, over and over again, Jesus makes these claims, uh, starting with I am, and then I am, uh, all of these things throughout the book of John. And we're going to be looking at each one of those uh, throughout the different weeks. But today, uh, we're going to actually begin to take a look at what Jesus says when he asks the question, who do you say I am? That is probably the most important question uh, for each one of us. It's the most important question uh, that we need to answer for each one of ourselves. And I've prayed that the Holy Spirit, uh, through this series particular, uh, will reveal to us uh, the truth about Jesus. It will open up our hearts about uh, what Jesus says about himself uh, and what Jesus has done. And in that truth, we would actually receive that as, as our own. And so uh, here's the deal is, is no one has really stirred up more controversy uh, than Jesus. Would you agree with that? That, that throughout our world, throughout our, our culture, throughout uh, even our area, no one really has, has made the claims that Jesus has made and in so doing has really caused a lot of controversy uh, about him. No one is more loved and no one is more hated than that of Jesus. And so uh, the end of the day, each one of us, we, we have to do something with Jesus. I mean, we have to do something with, with who this guy claims he is. We have to do something with him, and we each have to give an account on what we really believe about Jesus. Meaning, listen, when, when you look into the life of Jesus, when you begin to look at the claims that Jesus makes, hear me, there's no middle ground. Some people say he's this, some people say he's this, but when you really look at what Jesus says about himself, there is, there is no middle ground. And so if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing I want you to write down is this, and it's one of the most important things that you need to take away from this series, is that everyone must either receive him as Lord or reject him as liar. Hear me, you either need to receive him as Lord, the Christ and the Messiah, or you need to reject him as a liar, which is probably why he, he creates so much controversy within our world, because even his name makes us make a decision about him. Are you with me on that? Because his name, uh, the, his name Jesus, is actually comes from the Old Testament, uh, which is, is, is Yeshua or Joshua, which simply means Yahweh God is salvation. That's his name. Jesus, his name, means salvation. Now, the Christ or Jesus Christ, that Christ is not really his last name. Some people think, oh, that's his last name. No, that's a title. Jesus the Christ, Jesus Christ, Christ means that he's the chosen and anointed one, the Messiah who delivers God's people. So if you put those two names together, Jesus Christ, you see that he is Jesus, the anointed one of God, which came to save his people. Even his name causes controversy because to say his name is to say, I either need to believe that he is who he says he is, 
or he is a liar or maybe even a lunatic. And, and so you have to do something with Jesus. And so today, as an introduction to our series, we're going to start to answer the question, who do you say I am? That's the question that Jesus gives to us. That's the question that, that he asks each one of us. Who do you say that Jesus is? History shows that there was a man named Jesus, that he was born in a small town, probably a rural town, a, a, a very uh, a poor town. And he was born to an unwed teenage girl named Mary, who was probably mocked throughout the town because she said that she was uh, pregnant with God's child, with the Holy Spirit's child. And so Jesus, uh, when he was born, he was received by Mary and, and adopted by a carpenter named Joe. We know him as Joseph. And so this Jesus was born, and for the first 30 years of his life, he probably lived in relative obscurity, probably not very well known. He was probably uh, swinging a hammer with his dad, working around the house, occasionally going to the temple and, and helping the teachers get it right. And, and so Jesus was, was kind, of, uh, kind of behind the scenes for the first 30 years. He did have two brothers, James and Jude who would later go on and write books of the Bible. These are half-brothers of Jesus. And, and so that, that in itself is a, is a miracle, is it not? The fact that, that James and Jude would, would proclaim that Jesus, their brother, is the Christ. I, I mean, I don't know. How many of you have brothers and sisters? How many of you have children that are siblings? Listen, here's the deal. That's a miracle to have your brothers tell everyone that their brother is the Christ. Amen? I mean, I can't even get my kids to hug. And, and so you've got James and you've got Jude who, who watched this kid grow up and say, yeah, Jesus is the Messiah. And so they write books about, the, uh, about Jesus. Uh, the book Isaiah says that there's nothing, there's no beauty or majesty in him that would attract us to him. It, it just simply means that Jesus' robe wasn't wider than anyone else's. Right? He didn't wear that blue sash across his chest so that we could pick him out in a crowd, and he didn't have this glowing halo above his head all the time. It says there was nothing really majestic about him. He was, seemed to be a very common person, a very, uh, very normal person, and, and you wouldn't really be able to pick him out of a crowd. That's why when the, when the people come to arrest Jesus, they, they ask which one he is. They don't know. They're asking, who is this Jesus? And so uh, around the age of 30... Jesus would begin a public ministry. It lasted about three years. And his public ministry uh, would involve preaching and teaching. It would involve healing the sick and feeding the poor. It, it would involve uh, befriending misfits of the culture, right? The outcasts, the people who are hurting. He would draw them in. And he would even heal people and at one moment even raise the dead, and so Jesus' ministry throughout his three years did some miraculous things, but his ministry ends with him being both homeless and poor. His ministry ends with an entire city rejecting him and screaming out for his death. And Jesus died a shameful death and crucifixion upon a cross. Why? For declaring that he was God. That's why they killed Jesus Jesus is the most famous person in all of human history. More songs have been sung to him, more art has been done for him, and more books have been written about him than anyone else who, have, who has ever lived. In fact, Jesus is such an impact on our human history that our calendar is even divided before and after his death. 
I mean his birth. So before Christ was born, that's B.C., everything after is A.D. No army, no nation, no person has changed human history like Jesus. Yet culturally, there are countless opinions about him. Have you heard some of them? Have you heard some of the opinions about Jesus? Jesus really asked all of the world, who do you say I am? And there's countless opinions about who Jesus is. Listen, uh, the liberal emergent church, they say Jesus was merely a good man. Have you ever heard that? He, oh, he was a good man. He's not the God man. He's just a good man. Jehovah's Witnesses say that he was a, a Michael, the archangel. He's actually a created being who then became man. Mormonism teaches that Jesus was not God, but only a man. And if he was a God, he would be one of many gods. Unitarian Universalism, it teaches that Jesus was not God, but rather a great man, respected solely for his teaching, his love, and his justice. He was just a good boy, just like Big Bird. Isn't that sweet? Oh, he was just a good guy. Mr. Rogers, he was. Islam teaches that Jesus was a prophet, but he was inferior to Muhammad. Buddhism teaches that Jesus was not God, but rather an enlightened man, just like Buddha. Hinduism teaches uh, not to consider him as the only God, but likely a wise man, just like Krishna. One of the most amazing aspects of Jesus's earthly ministry is that people were often unable or even unwilling to accept and receive him as God. There are so many people who wouldn't acknowledge that he was God in the flesh. Yet, there was one extraordinary exception to this. There was one group that always seemed to know exactly who Jesus was, and that was the demons. Isn't that phenomenal? That there's really one group in all of history that always got it right, the demons. It's amazing. Many people said Jesus was a madman. He was crazy. But the demons, they always seem to get it right. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus is out. He's teaching in Calpurnium. And in verse 23, it says that there was a man brought to him with an unclean spirit, meaning he had a demon. And when he cast the demon out, listen to what it says. It says, it says what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Like, even the demons know his authority. Even the demons know his power. Even the demons are aware that they, they are going to one day be destroyed, and Jesus is the one to put them to shame. They know that. Now, listen to what it says. I know who you are, Jesus of Nazareth. You're the Holy One of God. They get it right every time. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is casting out demons again, and they would cry out, You are the Son of God. So it seems that the Christology of the demons is better than most Christians. They know exactly who Jesus is. They get it right every time. But listen, they don't love Jesus, and they don't receive the salvation that's offered by him or through him. Listen, the second thing I want you to write down is this. There is an eternal difference between knowing about Jesus and personally trusting Jesus for yourself. You see, the demons know exactly who Jesus is. In James 2.19, it says that the demons know, and they even shudder at his name. Every time he casts out, they say, are you here to kill us? Are you here to destroy us? We know who you are, the Son of God. And so listen, that should say something to us, that there is an eternal difference between knowing about Jesus and actually personally accepting Jesus for 
yourself. Which begs the question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? Jesus, throughout his entire life in ministry, would refer to himself over and over again as the Son of Man. Everyone say, Son of Man. Over 80 times in four Gospels, he calls himself the Son of Man, which is a really weird title, is it not? I didn't really understand that. Why would he keep referring to himself as the Son of Man? Where did he get that name from? That's a great question. Well, it actually comes from Daniel chapter 7. You have your Bibles in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel, uh, the prophet, he has a vision of a a son of man. Uh, Look at it with me in verse 13. Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, and he was presented before him, and to him was given dominion. Everyone say dominion. To the Son of Man was given dominion and glory. Everyone say glory. And glory and a kingdom. Everyone say kingdom. So he's given dominion and glory and kingdom and all peoples and all nations and all languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall never pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This indicates that Jesus When he uses the term son of man, he's saying, I have all authority. I have all dominion. I have all rule. And every tribe, every tongue, every nation will not only serve me, but bow down to me. And my kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It has no end. That's what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the son of man. And he says, I'm the son of man. And in the Old Testament, it always shows that the son of man is equal to the Lord, which would cause great controversy, would it not? I mean, that would would cause people to be in riots and and get upset about Jesus calling himself the son of man. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus was preaching in a home. And there were so many people gathered that uh, you you couldn't get yourself in the door anymore. You remember this story? I mean, so many people were gathering around this house that you couldn't get in the door. So there was these, these, these guys uh, who had a friend who was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. And so their solution to get to Jesus was to climb up on the roof, start hammering away at the shingles and the boards, right? Open up the roof. And it says that they actually lowered this man down on a mat. Could you just imagine that? Jesus is like, what in the world is going on? Right? They're lowering this guy down on a mat. And in Mark chapter, uh, chapter 2, look, look, in, look at it with me. Mark, Mark chapter 2, verse, verse 5. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, they're lowering this guy down on a mat. That would have to take some faith. And when Jesus said he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, that is an extraordinary claim. He doesn't, he doesn't heal the man right away. He actually looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. Now, why is this so extraordinary? Look at it with me. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes who are sitting there question in their heart, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Do you know what blasphemy is? 
Blasphemy is when you say that you're God if you're not. Or if you give credit to God, something that's not of him. And so this is what's happening. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And immediately the people around there say, that's blasphemy. Why is it blasphemy? Look at what it says. That's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so Jesus, in him forgiving the sins of the man, they're confused because only God can forgive sins. Look at what he says. And immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit, that they had questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to rise up and take your bed and walk? But I said, listen to what he says, but that you may know. I, I said it this way. I said your sins are forgiven. I've forgiven his sins so that you may know that the Son of Man, there's that term again, he keeps using that, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says, I have the authority because I am God. I'm actually the son of man in Daniel 7 and all dominion and all authority is actually given to me. So I do have the authority to forgive sins. When Jesus says the son of man has authority to forgive sins, he has the authority from God because he is God in the flesh. Do you see sin comes at us really in two different ways. There's sins of omission and there's sins of commission. Let me explain those terms for you. The sins of omission is, is, when, is when we fail to do something God's asked us to do. We omit, omit the call of God. But sins of commission is when we do something that God tells us not to do. And so it's not just simply doing wrong, it's actually not doing right. And, and so we are, we are uh, both and sinners of omission and commission. And so sin, it includes our thoughts, it includes our motives, it includes our words, it includes our deeds, which all are seen and known by God, all of it. And, and so Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. That's an amazing claim. Immediately, people are going to say, that's blasphemy. That's controversial. You can't say that unless you're God. And Jesus says, I am him. I do have the authority to do that. I do have all dominion to do that. So right here, listen, you've got to do something with Jesus. I mean, really, what do you do with that? What do you do with the fact that, that verse 7 is true, that only God can forgive sins, and verse 10 says that Jesus says, I am the Son of Man, and I do have authority to do that? I mean, what do you do with that claim? Do you just say, oh, he's a good teacher? Or is he God? Either Jesus is God or he's a liar. Jesus invites every one of us today to come to him by faith and confess our sins to him so that we too, like this man on the mat, might be forgiven. So when we come to Jesus, we're acknowledging that he's God. Let's write this down. When we confess our sins to Jesus, we are confessing that he is God because only God can forgive sins. If we were not God, then our sins wouldn't be forgiven. 
and our sins could not be forgiven by him. He must be God. Now, some of you, maybe people you know, may be asking the question, like the scribes, like the Pharisees, you may be asking the question in your hearts, how is that even possible? I mean, how is it that Jesus ultimately has the authority to forgive my wrongs and my sins? Well, first of all, Jesus is the only one who's ever lived that is without sin. Do you believe that? That's what Jesus says. That's what the Bible says. Most Christians, most people who call themselves Christians actually believe that Jesus at one time or another sinned. He falls short too. Well, if he falls short, then there's really no way that he can pay the penalty for sin because what he's doing is paying the penalty for his own. But that's not what's happening. Jesus, like no one else, he is without sin. Even the most devout, morally upright religious leaders like Mohammed and Gandhi and Mother Teresa and Billy Graham, they all admitted, I have sinned. Jesus says, I've never sinned. I, I've, I've not sinned. That's, that's, a, that's a miraculous claim right there. Yet throughout Jesus' life, we often see people calling people to repent, yet Jesus never does because Jesus never sinned. Jesus' enemies tried to accuse Jesus of sin, but they couldn't bring any charge against Jesus. Why? Because he's never sinned. Listen to John chapter 8, verse 46. He challenged everyone to prove him wrong. He says, which one of you convicts me of sin? Could you imagine saying that? Out of all of you, all of you, I mean, which one of you could convict me of any sin? He says, no one can. I, if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Listen to what his followers say. John said, in him, there is no sin. That's 1 John 3, 5. Peter said, he committed no sin. 1 Peter 2, 22. Even his brother James called him the righteous. I bet that hurts to say. He says, he's the righteous. James 5, 6. Even his former enemy, Paul, who persecuted the church, said that he knew no sin. Judas the one who betrayed him, later said in, in Matthew 27, 4, he says, Jesus was without sin. I betrayed him wrongly. Pilate, the one who oversaw uh, the murder of Jesus, the soldier who actually participated in the murder of Jesus, and the guilty sinner who hung on the cross next to Jesus in Luke 23, every one of them says, this man had done nothing wrong. Nothing. What he's getting is not what he deserves. This is what I deserve. That's what he says. All of the fact pointing to the fact that Jesus was God and Jesus was without sin. So here's, here's the answer. How can Jesus forgive sin? Because he was without sin, which means he alone is the only one who could pay for sin. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, which means Jesus had to die. He had to die for you. He had to die for me. He had to die in our place. In Mark chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus is teaching his disciples. And as he began to teach them, he said that the Son of Man, that's his name. That's what he keeps calling himself. There it is again. The Son of Man must suffer. Everyone say must. He must suffer many things. That the Son of Man must be rejected by the elders and the chief priests. He must be rejected by the scribes, and he must be killed because that's how he pays for sin. 
See, God is not just merciful and graceful, but he's also just. And so our, our sin actually deserves punishment. And Jesus says, I must go to the cross. I must die so that I can forgive sins. He says, I must be killed and after three days rise again. You see, Jesus, the Son of Man, can and does forgive sin because he and he alone died for sin. Jesus' death on the cross It paid the penalty that you and I so richly deserve. Yet on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave saying, death is dead. There is no more death. There is is no more penalty for those who would believe. And so Jesus put to death, death once and for all, for all who would believe upon him in salvation. Now, some of you saying, okay, well, does he really say that he's the Christ? Does he really say that he's God? Well, in the last days, in Mark 14, after Jesus is arrested, they bring him in and they try him unfairly. They try to bring a charge against him. Listen to what he says. It says in verse 14, verse 61, it's, they ask him. They ask him directly, are you the Christ? That's not his last name again. Are you the one from God, the Messiah, that's come to rescue God's people? Are you the Christ? Are you the Son of God? Are you him? And Jesus said, I am. I mean, it doesn't get any more clear than that, guys. Jesus says, yep, I absolutely am him. I am the Christ. And and look at what he says. And here's some more for you. You shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. That's Daniel 7, y'all. He says, yeah, that's me. I am him. I'm the Christ. I'm God in the flesh. I've come to live a perfect life, and I've come to die for sinners who would repent and believe in me. That's me. And I'm going to actually come again, and I'm going to make all these things right. And so Jesus claimed that he is the Christ that he is God and he is the son of man, that he is God in the flesh. And so here's the deal for every one of us and everyone we know, that is the deepest question that we must be asking. What about you? Who do you say that Jesus is? Jesus asks every one of us deep in our heart, who do you say I am? Is he a good man? Is he a prophet? Is he a good teacher? Is he a liar or is he a truth teller? Listen, you can't play the game. You can't have middle ground on this one. You can't say he's a good teacher because everything he says would then be a lie. Because he continues to claim that he is God. That would actually make him a bad teacher if he, everything he said was a lie. Wouldn't it? There's no middle ground. Listen, Jesus doesn't leave it open for debate. He says, who do you say I am? This is the most important question of our lives. Look at it with me. This is the last thing I'm going to show you. Uh, Matthew 16. We saw a video referring to this. Matthew 16, verse 13. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Don't you love how he continues to use that title? Who do people say that I am? Listen to what they say. They say, well, 
Some say you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Here's the deal. They don't know. Listen, it's not surprising to me that the world doesn't know who Jesus is. Because that's the claims that we're still getting. Isn't it 2,000 years later? Well, who do you see? Well, he's a prophet. Well, okay, they've always said that. Well, maybe he's a teacher. Maybe he's, he's someone to lead the way like John the Baptist. You see, it doesn't surprise me that the culture of the world, they don't know who Jesus is because others are going to just bring all these different charges, all these different accounts. Same thing that happened here. It's not, it's not strange. It's actually normal. Who do you say I am? What about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. That's Peter. It's another name. For listen to this, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Listen, ultimately it's never our job to try and convince somebody that Jesus is the Christ. Because Jesus says that flesh and blood doesn't reveal that to you, but my Father who's in heaven. So what does that look like for us? We constantly pray. Oh, Father, would you reveal that to my heart? Oh, Father, would you reveal that to the hearts of those that are around me? Oh, Father, would you reveal that truth to the world so that they would know that you are the Christ and they would turn from their sin and give it to you and ask you to forgive them so that they can see you and know you and trust you and spend eternity with you? So we're constantly asking the Father, Father, would you reveal that to the world? Would you reveal that even to me again? Because listen, it is the most important question. Who do you say I am? As the band comes up, I'm just going to end with a quote from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is a British author, very popular. C.S. Lewis said there's only three possible responses to this question, who do you say I am? He says the, the only possibility is that Jesus was a lunatic, he was a liar, or Jesus is Lord. Listen to what he says. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice, he says. Either this man was and is the son of God or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit on him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at, your, fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that option even open to us. For he did not intend to. Jesus he was not a liar. He's not a lunatic. He is the Son of God. Now here's the deal. is you and I have to come to a place in our hearts where we truly believe that. 
Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of Man? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Do you believe that Jesus can and will forgive your sins when you call upon him? Do you believe that Jesus is coming again to bring home his saints and his children for all who have called upon his name? Do you truly believe that? Because if you do, then the appropriate response to Jesus is coming to him by faith and turning from your sin and trusting him as your Savior, Messiah, and Christ and to worship him as God alone. That can only happen when we answer the question, who do you say I am? Maybe you're going through a hardship. Maybe you're battling an illness. Maybe your marriage or your relationships are in turmoil. Maybe work is not working out the way you thought. Maybe, maybe you're looking for direction for your life. In every one of those scenarios, I pray that you would hear the voice of Jesus saying, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am in your marriage? Who do you say I am in your turmoil? Who do you say I am in your struggle against temptation? But who do you say I am? If the answer is the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, when you call upon his name, he says he'll meet you in that moment and he'll begin to direct you as only God can. Let's pray. Jesus, you said that when we call upon your name, you hear us. That your name, Jesus, is higher than any other name. That you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. And you are the one that sets the captives free. You are the one that forgives our sins, that you are the one that makes us new, makes us alive and born again in you. And so Jesus, I pray for us this morning. I pray for the men and the women and the church that is, is here this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit would meet us right here, that Father God, you would reveal that truth to our hearts so that we would not wonder any longer who you are, but we would truly confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. That today would be a day that we take every step and every breath and every moment and ask ourselves the question, who do I say you are, God? Who do I say you are, Jesus? Lord, reveal to our hearts this morning that we need more of you, that we want you, that we want to see you high and lifted in this world and in this place and in my life. Oh, Jesus, come and be the Christ in my heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Calling upon Jesus is not something that we just simply do one time. It's something we do consistently and constantly as followers of him. And so I would just simply encourage you this morning to not forsake this time, but really call upon his name.
that he is a risen Lord. He is a risen Savior, and he hears us, and he knows us, and, and he is close to us, particularly if you're brokenhearted. And so take this time over these next few songs and pray and talk to God. Know that he's near, and, and, and may it lead you to a sense of worship, thankfulness, knowing that he is the Christ and he has all authority over everything that you're going through. If you need someone to listen or just simply pray with you, we've got some prayer partners over here in the back and on the side. They'd be happy to just listen, encourage you in the fact that Jesus is the Son of Man. I love you guys. Thanks.